Good morning and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at our college lectionary texts for the day and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm the Dean of the Chapel here. It's good to have a chance to talk with you on this Monday morning, September 7th. And um, as a reminder to you, if you'd like to access our college lectionary to see the text that we're reading together, uh, you can do so at the Houghton website. Click on houghton.edu and then go to Spiritual Life. You'll find a copy of our lectionary there. And each week, the texts are arranged around a certain topic or theme. And this week, our theme is lostness and grace. And so we'll be looking at texts about, um, about being lost and about God's grace in finding, uh, finding us when, when we're lost. Uh, each day there is a psalm reading, an Old Testament reading, and a New Testament reading, so I'll mention what those are, but we'll dig deep into one of the texts. And so today, for Monday, September 7th, the reading is uh, Psalm 25, 1 through 15, Isaiah 6, and Luke 15, 1 to 10. And I would just like to take a little time with you today on part of the psalm passage from Psalm 25, and uh, we will read verses 8 through 10. My Bible open here. Psalm 25, 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Many times, even those of us who have been Christians for a long time, interpret God's commands as kind of cutting short things that we would really like to do. That God uh, looks at us and says, I know you would like to do X, but I'm telling you, you should do Y. And so we think about it and we think, well, yes, I really probably should do Y, even though it's not really what I want to do. God knows I want to do X, but he says to do Y, and so I'll do it. This text challenges that a little bit. I mean, I think that's deeper in us than we realize, you know. I think even those of us who know better (laughs) still act sometimes as if what God wants to do is to kind of always be pulling us from back into counterintuitive choices, you know, like like the gospel is somehow making counterintuitive choice after counterintuitive choice, doing difficult thing after difficult thing, heroic thing after heroic thing. And this text really challenges that. It says that God gives us a way because he's good. And this will always challenge us, I think, in some ways, right? There, there, there is a way that seems right to us, but the way thereof leads to death. Proverbs says that, and we we know that, we can recite that text, but still somehow we don't intrinsically believe it. Um, We need to be able to let go of one way of life. We need to let go of the idea that what I want is good for me in the moment. Um, we, We need to, as Christians, be able to make that change. This is what the gospel means by repentance and conversion, to say, no, this thing that seems natural to me really needs to go. It needs to change. I need to have my whole sense of what's right and what's wrong turned upside down. Now, there are powerful forces that work against us wanting to do that. Why? Because, especially if you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you're like me, a person who's kind of raised in the church, it's really threatening to look back at our life and say, 
I thought I was following God when I was doing that, but but I wasn't. <laughs> it's hard because it, it makes you look back and think, oh, you know, my, that, that kind of uh, sweater I had been knitting of my own holiness begins to unravel um, when I start acknowledging that there are things that, that I had, had intuitions that were not quite right. We don't want to do that. But the thing is, when we don't do that, when we don't sort of take that step of repentance, what we end up doing are double, doubling down on things that we know are intrinsically wrong. right? When we can't look back and repent and say, I wish I had done that differently, I should have done that differently, and now I'm going to do that differently. When we can't do that, what we spend our time doing is uh, developing strong fortresses against why we've ever been wrong in the first place. And to do that, we have to essentially lie to ourselves over and over again. We have to tell ourselves things that are not true until we start to believe them. And again, the chief of these are, is, that, is the lie about our own righteousness. But we have all sorts of other related lies that we sort of pile up uh, in order to not feel uh, guilty about decisions we've made because we, we loathe so much the thought of, of repenting and following God's good way. But you know, when we can do that, when we can just sort of acknowledge, I'm sorry, <laughs> then, then we actually begin to step into the freedom that God has for us. Right? Freedom is not, real freedom is not just the ability to go out and uh, impose my will on the world in the way that I think I should be able to impose my will on the world. Freedom is being able to, to take a, a good, honest look at myself and say, these things that I had been doing, I no longer want to do, and so I'm not going to do it anymore. That's real freedom, and it, it's such a liberating—it's uh, such a liberating thing to be able to go into a situation and not need to constantly defend yourself anymore, not need to sort of build some kind of elaborate justification for why you're right, not need to have to sort of throw up signs to other people that you're not willing to be confronted about this thing that's going to be painful for you to confront. Once you've managed to sort of mortify the self, <laughs> once you've been managed to kind of put that self to death then you're able to um, lean into the freedom that God has for you and decide what kind of person you really want to be in light of what the gospel shows you about who you really are. I know so many Christians who are like this about so many issues right now when I think about all the issues confronting us as a, as a people, as a nation. I always um, am, am so disappointed in the church when, when the world encourages us and invites us to repentance and we're not willing to do that. When I was growing up in the, in the 80s and in the 90s, what I was taught as a young Christian to be worried about was that our world wouldn't care about right and wrong. There was no right and wrong. There were no moral absolutes. That's what I was taught that I should be afraid of um, and, and that I had to stand for the fact that there were right and wrong in the world. Right now we live in this um, more challenging time in some ways, right, where uh, there's a thing called cancel culture, right? And we look at the secular world saying, there is such a thing as right and wrong. And we're going to impose that by excusing from society or exposing people to public shame when they've run afoul of what we think is right and wrong. To me, there's such a great potential for discussion here of the gospel, because I'm so encouraged that people, you know, being trained in the 80s and 90s, I was told that people didn't care about right and wrong. Now I see people care passionately about right and wrong. They might have different ideas about what's right and what's wrong than I do, but they care about it. And so there's a, a basis for dialogue. And where there's a basis for dialogue, where I'm hoping that perhaps I could share something of the gospel with these folks, 
part of doing that is presenting myself to them as someone who's willing to hear their ideas about right and wrong and when they're right to make changes to say I'm sorry I should I shouldn't have done that I see now clearly um, you, you've you've given me insight that I didn't have before and now I'd like to change I'd like to be different you know we Christians expect other people to do that for us and yet we're terrified of making that step on our own and it's really unbecoming of us <laughs> like if we want people to make that change in their lives we've got to be willing to sort of follow these steps of repentance in our own life and be ready um, be ready to repent and to change and to realize that God's way is better than our way and when our way is found wanting we want to go his way. We want to lean into the truth no matter how inconvenient. Well, at any rate, I've called you to something else impossible today. I think, again, that's what good preaching does is it lifts up something impossible. But by God's Spirit, that doesn't have to be an impossibility. By God, the power of God's Spirit, we could begin to see this in our church. The flickers of true repentance and true freedom. And so that's what I want to pray for today. God, how thankful we are for your deep love for us. And when we know that love... We can um, love you more than we love ourselves. We can love your way more than we love our own way. We can love following you more than we love defending ourselves. We pray, God, that you will make us um, appropriately tender and vulnerable to the critiques of others. Help us to be able to hear and make us ready to repent when we see clearly a good way that you're calling us to. Help us not to cling to vestiges of our own righteousness in order to kind of make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Help us to follow you, trusting that you go with us. We thank you for the freedom that's ours in Jesus to follow you in faithfulness. God, this is holiness to, to, to realize that when we see the right way, to know that we're empowered to choose the right way. So we pray that you'll help that to be a reality in our lives and in the lives of our churches today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so good to talk with you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.